0: This is the OKC eighty two podcast with Chisholm Holland and Brady Trantham on the Franchise Podcast Network. All right, what's going on, OKC podcast listeners? Chisholm Holland, Brady Trantham, with our weekly, bi-weekly, semi-regularly.
1: Yeah, we're still getting into basketball. NBA show. It, this is hard. OU Texas just happened, so like the madness. I mean, football madness is going to be there, you know, the entire year. But. Right. Uh, halfway, We've reached the halfway point. Preseason is about to end. We might find a nice little medium that we can easily start scheduling stuff around. For sure. But, I mean, I say that now, but probably not. It'll, <laughs> hit <the fan>. It'll <laughs> all hit the fan. It'll all hit the fan here in a minute. I've hit the fan.
0: Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, obviously, we're sitting down to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder team that's played three preseason games. Brady, I don't know about you, but it's really title or bust.
1: Yeah, um, especially, especially the first two games. Now, last night... Unacceptable loss. I'm surprised Unacceptable loss. I'm I'm surprised Billy Donovan hasn't been fired, shown the door. Um like frankly, I'm surprised he's still not like trying to find a ride back to OKC in Dallas. My only question is who's not on the trade block? Um, Are they all on the trade block? Muscala. You know, I was I was actually on the way up here. Doesn't Nerlens Noel have a no trade clause? Yeah, he does. Okay. Like so. loop holy he does. Yeah, because he signed two minimum contracts back
0: to back or yeah. Something like that.
1: Um but I was on the way up here and off of um I forty. Um on one of those electronic billboards or whatever, uh got, had like, it was an OKC Thunder uh, advertisement and it was just Mike Muscala. No way. <laughs> yes. It's like whenever the Thunder website, the, 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 it had all of the jerseys, but it had
0: one jersey at the very top in the center that was like 30 times bigger than all the other ones. Like it was like the premier jersey where usually that'd be like the Russell Westbrook one or the Paul George one. <laughs> and it was Mike Muscala. <laughs> That's they probably, are in love with this guy. That
1: was probably the recruiting pitch. Like, we'll put your face all You'll over the dams. You'll be the, the number one guy. You're like, everybody will know who you are. People will love your hair, your headband look. I
0: was a little disappointed. I
1: thought he had longer hair. He looks completely different than what he looked like in Philadelphia. Right, that's he had, what I thought. He had, he had the buzz cut. He looks like a different human being. Like, Maddie Lee and I were from the Oklahoma and were talking about this last week. She was like, he looks like a different human being. And yeah. then I looked at a picture. I was like, Yeah. Like, it's just the hair. It's so incredible. Maybe it's just the headband, too, but um, he still plays the same, let's just say. <laughs> it's But it's preseason. He's seasoned. large, and he's, he's outside? He's large. He's not really shy with the pick-and-pop three. Um, makes mistakes, makes a lot of mistakes, but that's going to be the 2019-20 Thunder in a nutshell. A lot of mistakes.
0: Well, the good thing is, is that Mike Muscala is clearly a young player that we can build around here in Oklahoma City. <laughs> right? No? No? Okay. How old is he? Uh, too old. <laughs> He's too old. Uh, he's twenty-eight for the league, not for the Earth. Uh, twenty-eight. I don't know if he's exactly a building block. Um, I'm not going to get into like the whole. Man, they look great in Tulsa. They kicked the shit out of these New Zealanders, yeah. and they struggled. I don't. I don't really care the starting lineup stuff. I don't find crazy interesting S- The starting lineup stuff because t- it's been so different. So that just means he's trying everything.
1: Well, that to me is kind of interesting because Billy's been like I said this on the podcast last night with uh, Madison um Billy's been a guy who he doesn't change the starting lineup and I mentioned it's probably because of Russell, you know the, the starting lineup has historically never changed that much for the Oklahoma City Thunder since yeah. they've been a title contender. Um, but Billy has been he's never been shy about changing the uh, substitutions the six six man um, all those combinations and rotations that come off the bench. He's never been shy about playing with that. Um, so now with this team, with everything in flux and a lot of young guys, he has the ability to just say, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw that out there. This is going to be something completely different. These guys are going to rest tonight because it's second night of a back-to-back. So here comes Terrence Ferguson starting after he's been on the bench for the last 10 games. So it's going to be interesting to see how guys take to their inconsistent roles because I think overall what Billy's trying to do, and he's mentioned it to us a few times about – basically thrusting guys into the fire. And he's mainly talked about that with younger guys like Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, like throwing them into situations that they're probably not ready for right now, but it's so that they can learn moving forward. Um, I think these things, these are all long-term fixes. He's not trying to win games right now. He's not trying to win games this month. He's trying to get these guys prepared for next season, the season afterwards, because that's what he did his first year as the coach. He played with the lineups over and over and over again and lost the Thunders some games that year, and they won 55 and were the third seed but it helped out in the postseason because he knew he could rely on a Steven Adams in his canter lineup and it helped beat the Spurs. So sure. um, that to me is interesting, but in the short term, it is very hard to watch at times. I, I think understand. The, the conclusion
0: is, is that you can't draw any conclusions from the lineups or the rotations or any of it. Like that's the conclusion is that you can't draw any conclusions.
1: Yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't know. It's like watching a horror, like a three hour horror movie that you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what the twist is. Like you can't just like watch it for 10 minutes and say, this is what's going to happen because it's pointless you're going to be saying something different every 20 minutes. Do you so expect, just watch
0: watch the whole damn thing. Do you expect the starting lineup in game 1 and game 10 to be the same? No. See, isn't that Absol- is, that's kind of the not. point, right? And like and that's not saying that there's going to be a trade between them. I mean, that's not a whole lot of time. That's what like two weeks maybe, two two and a half weeks in between game 1 and game 10. Yeah. And we're expecting to see a change that early
1: in the season. So Yeah, cuz there's so many questions like does Steven Adams sit a a lot more than he has historically? Does Chris Paul sit? Does Danilo Gallinari sit? So you talk about just the rest factor, and then you get into factors like injuries. And Steven Adams, Chris Paul, and Danilo Gallinari are guys with minor to major um, injury histories, um, ranging, I mean, of course. Um, And then you've got the factor of, the Thunder just they're not really in it this season to win a ton of games. Like they want to win and these guys are competitive and they want to win, but um, there's a bigger picture at play here. And I think that's what Thunder fans are going to have to, if they're not um, understanding of that now, they're going to be painfully understanding of it in the short term as it's all happening. Cause last night I thought was a really good example of what could possibly happen frequently this season.
0: Sure. Sure. And so a couple people who have uh, stood out so far, um, we'll get to Darius Baisley, Terrence Ferguson, but number one, obviously, is Shea Gilders-Alexander. Uh, the number one asset coming back from the Clippers... Uh, the picks are great, and that's kind of what the headlines were in that trade, but I think if you ask Sam Presti, he was probably the crown jewel, the uh, the icing on the top of the cake, if well, you not, will.
1: He's not Mike Muscala, though. He get He's a not face a, Mike Muscala. He doesn't get a face on a billboard just yet. No, no promos.
0: <laughs> done with Mike Muscala. Uh, and Shea Gil's Alexander, the faces of the franchises together. Um, but Shea has had ups and downs. Last night was a down. I didn't think he played incredibly well. No assists.
1: A uh, handful of yeah, turnovers. That, that was... The ball movement was so – because it had been so nice to see the first two games. And Chris Paul's not playing, and that's going to affect it to an extent. Steven Adams even. Um, Steven Adams does so much for the offense just with him being on the floor. New shot a three. so Orleans did shoot a three. Um, Justin Patton shot a bunch. Uh, A bunch of threes? I think he shot three. Okay, I didn't see that. I think he had three. He's not shy. He did it a lot at Creighton. Um yeah, like th- those pieces not being on the floor, that's going to affect the ball movement. But I was a little disappointed in Shea Gildas-Alexander. But then again, um, you can kind of look at him in terms of being the primary ball handler when that time comes this season, and he's going to have plenty of opportunities to sure. do that. This is an extended rookie season for him in that department only because, yeah, he, he started, what, 90% of the Clippers games last year? but he was 72. A, he wasn't the primary ball handler for them. He was in spurts. But he didn't do it enough to the point where you can see, like, okay, he's going to play at this level in year two. Like, he, he in that department, he's still learning. And um, last night, you know, last night was just a bad game, so I'm not going to say, like, wow, like, Shea is much less of a ball handler, as a um, ball distributor, as I thought. Like, it was just a bad night, but that was still kind of surprising. Like, wow, no
0: dimes. No dimes. No dimes from Shea Gildress. Uh, one thing I will say, and I'm going to paint myself into this picture of who might have led the Thunder fan base a little astray. Shea is a budding superstar. He's a guy, he's a guy who Oklahoma City probably wants to build around long-term. He's going to be here for a long time. He has a ton of potential. He's still very young. And so what I will say is maybe we haven't said it enough, so I'm going to say it here is he's going to have three games where he looks incredible, but he's still 20. So he's also going to have games where he looks horrendous. Like yep. Those are also going to come, especially – the more and more he gets involved in handling the offense basically by himself, that's going to that's gonna show more and more. So I would caution Thunder fans, the guy's not going to be 82 games the same player every night. He's going to deal with some serious inconsistency just based off the fact that this is his second year in the league. And we haven't really talked about that a whole lot. we talked about him being a cornerstone, but there's going to be a ton of growing pains with Shea this year and next year with ups and downs and performances and playing really, really well one night and then turn around two nights later and he looks like he shouldn't be starting, you know, that's going to be part of it.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, Thunder fans at this point, they they fully are aware that Shea and Russell are two completely different players. They don't play the same brand of basketball. But I think uh, what you were just talking about, how he's going to have nights where he's inconsistent, he's going to have nights where he's bad like he was last night. I think people might be surprised because they they – I feel like a portion of the fan base will look at Shea. He's young, yeah, he's going to make mistakes. But they'll compare it to when Russell was young and made mistakes. The way Russell Westbrook plays basketball, when he makes mistakes, he still does so much else, so viscerally and physically that he still does some good things. But they're very visible. So to the casual basketball listener or uh, watcher, not listener, listener, Linner. Liner, you I, said listener. I, I, I wanted to that's say that's not even watcher and listener I want, put together.
0: I, <laughs> I don't know what that
1: is. I went to sleep at four thirty.
0: That's lunch and dinner put together. You had linner, lint. <laughs> that's when you eat at three thirty. Uh, Four?
1: Well, yeah. What t- what time is the appropriate dinner time? Three um, thirty? I think that's right between dinner and lunch. Yeah, it's two thirty right now. So, um, God, it's two thirty. It's two thirty. God damn. Um, anyway, so to the casual basketball watcher, if you watch Shea Gilas Alexander and just expect the same kind of rookie up and downs, young player ups and downs as Russell Westbrook had, you're, you're going to be disappointed, and you're probably going to think, "Wow, Shea isn't he isn't going to be as good." um, of an all-star type caliber player as a Russell Westbrook was, or is became because he just doesn't fail loudly or succeed as loud. Right. You know, he's, he's a versatile player. He's uh, pretty finesse, but even last night, he still showcased some moves like cutting to the basket a few times that he did dri- driving to the basket. Um, The potential is there. Like, I'm not worried about it. But, yeah, like you said, I completely agree. There's going to be nights where he just looks bad.
0: Yeah, and I just don't know that's been talked about a whole lot. All right, another guy who, again, you don't draw a whole lot of conclusions from the preseason. I would say Terrence Ferguson, though, is on my... I'm going to watch him very seriously for the first 15 games. Because coming into the year, it's not that he has regressed. I don't know about you, Brady... I haven't seen any change. He looks like the exact same players last year, and they need him to do a whole lot more this season.
1: Yeah, he looked really good and aggressive in that first game in Tulsa. Um, he came off the after big- he looked horrendous
0: in the blue white scrimmage. Yeah,
1: he everybody looked horrendous in the blue except for Stephen and um, who else? Shay, like Stephen and Shay looked Darius great. Darius looked really good as well. But again, the expectations are different for those three players, so right. you know you adjust accordingly. But I thought Terrence played really well and aggressive. And he, he basically was like one of those few players that when you talk to them over and over and over in the offseason about what have you been working on? What do you guys think that you're supposed to do now? And they'll tell you like a bunch of buzzwords and synergy, synergy, ball movement. We want to be defensive first. These things that Russell Westbrook and the Thunder have been telling us for years. Corporate
0: reciprocation.
1: And, and you know, you hear it in through one ear goes out the other because, you know, by game 15, 20, what this Thunder team is going right. to do. Um. So it was kind of a breath of fresh air to see Terrence come off the bench. and dry- After, mind you, Sam
0: Presti, in exit interviews, when asked if Terrence Ferguson was going to play in Summer League, he laughed and said starters do
1: not play in Summer League. Oh, good call. Good call. I
0: thought that was hilarious at the time, but apparently I was the only one. Now I, he's not even a starter. He should have played in Summer League, obviously.
1: Yeah. Um, I,
0: what a missed opportunity. Do you I, think Sam Presti knew?
1: Because maybe... <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is all me going down a there, rabbit hole that doesn't some, exist. There's some more proof that Doc Rivers was lying right there. There, there you go. Thank um, you, Doc Rivers. Um, but yeah, I, he he was uh, cutting hard to the basket. He was uh, coming off of high screens, shooting uh, shooting off. Um, off of no dribble, um, just he was doing a lot of things that he hasn't done historically with, sure. with the Thunder, and I'm like, okay, that, that's a really good first showing. I want to see more of that
0: creating it, offense without necessarily having the ball. Yeah, basically, he's been a standing catch and shoot guy. Yeah,
1: since w- he's been in the league, which is much different than just being relegated to standing in the corner and shooting a three. Because he said that that he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to just be a normal three and D guy. Cool. And then it didn't really happen against New Zealand, which was shocking because New Zealand was so overmatched. And last night I saw a. Uh, he caught it um, in the corner, dribbled, and then stepped back. It looked like a Como Anthony play. Just did a step back fadeaway uh, mid range jumper, and it uh, bricked off the rim. And I'm like, that's that's regressing, and that is what that's bad, Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> right. And if it's going to be a whole bunch of that, then I, like he's near his ceiling offensively. Like he's just going to be relegated to being a three and D guy. But it's preseason. But still these guys are trying to throw stuff out there that they have been actively working on. That's what you can take away in the preseason when they're doing some different things. But then when they kind of come back to do like and do a lot of these same bad plays that they've done over and over and over again, it's like, okay, they've they've thrown everything out there and it hasn't worked, so now they're just doing what comes natural. Right. Um, and to Terrence's point
0: and to the point about Terrence Ferguson I've heard over and over again and again I've been a part of that conversation is Terrence is going to have to handle a little bit more of the ball he's going to have to be able to dribble create offense find ways to get other guys involved it's as far as being a little bit more aggressive offensively I think I might have missed the mark on that I think everyone else might have too to your point he looked the best when he didn't have the ball but he was moving and he was cutting and he was using screens and he yeah. was popping outside and he was cutting to the basket I think that is creating offense JJ Reddick creates offense but he never dribbles. Clay Thompson creates offense, but he never dribbles. Now, that's very, very far extreme, and I know I'm not comparing Terrence Ferguson to those guys, but I'm saying it is possible to create offense, to become a better player, without dribbling the ball a single time. And I think that's a little bit more of where Terrence Ferguson needs to go.
1: Yeah, and here, here's something that's going to sound completely insulting towards Terrence Ferguson. I don't mean it in a personally insulting way. We'll tag him, way, him in the but uh, podcast I, I, But, like, I seriously... I'm just trying to paint a picture. Hamidou Diallo in year two already looks like a better player with the ball in his hands dribbling and driving with purpose than Terrence Ferguson has ever since he's been in the league. Terrence looks completely, um, unless it's like a one-cut dribble down the baseline because he basically has his man beat or that guy's off balance, if his guy is set in front of him, he doesn't have a move. Hamadou Diallo has the athleticism and a few moves that I'm more confident and more comfortable with him with the ball in his hands than I am with Terrence Ferguson. So that should just be... Um, if, you're, if you're out there on the fence about Terrence Ferguson, as a like you said, as a guy that can make plays with the ball in his hands, I just don't see it. I'm, I just don't see it. He could prove me wrong because he's, he's athletically talented in his own right, but uh, I just haven't seen it yet.
0: I, I totally agree with you in a whole lot of respects. I think Terrence Ferguson is a guy you want to watch, and I said this earlier in the summer, but I know that was months and months ago, so just at, for a little bit of a, a taste of what I think about Terrence Ferguson with Oklahoma City going long term. Unless he can change what we're talking about, where he can create more offense, whether that's dri- dribbling the basketball or not dribbling the basketball. He has to be able to be a guy who can be aggressive and pass and make the offense flow. He can't be a stand-still, catch-and-shoot guy anymore. That made sense when he played with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Yeah, he was, That does not make a ton of sense now with this team.
1: He was really good at it for most of the season last year. Sure. Too.
0: So now does he become a te- a guy who, for someone like Philadelphia, who would love to have a guy who plays defense, Catches the ball and shoots threes. Oh yeah, he would be. Perfect. He makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So maybe he becomes a trade chip just because he doesn't fit into the system that they're trying to grow in Oklahoma City. Not that he's a bad player. Not that he's diminished in value. He just doesn't make sense. Terrence Ferguson makes a ton of sense next to the superstars who were
1: here last year.
0: I don't know. Unless he can adjust his game, he makes a ton of sense next to the
1: guys who are here now. Yeah, there's just like a log jam of players that <laughs> I don't. I don't know how else to say this. But guys that just kind of look the same physically. You've got Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo, Shea Gildas Alexander, um, like they. Andre all, Robertson still exists. Andre Robertson is still technically. Abdul Nader, Deontay, um, Deontay Burton, who technically is a four, but he looks the same body type. Just a lot of length, a right. lot of long armed, um, skinnier guys, um, and only a few of them. Do you? have the confidence that they can do something with the ball in their hands. Hamadou Diallo is still a work in progress, but in the three games that I've seen, he's made vast improvements with the ball in his hands. He looks like a different player. He looks more confident, looks more determined. Those are, that's something that I haven't seen in Terrence Ferguson going into his third year, and it's a little disappointing, but I think he is what he is, and but that's fine. He can be very good at that. He can be a guy that he can be a more athletic Danny Green. I think that's been the ceiling tagline for him over the, over the last sure. year and a half. There's nothing wrong with that. You can. That's a guy that wins you an NBA championship. Started on
0: champion on four championship teams, three yeah. championship teams.
1: H- how often did the Thunder want Danny Green, a guy like him? No,
0: no, no. It was Courtney Lee. You forget the you forget the fake trade, trade rumors. rumors. The almost
1: or Aaron Aflalo. Aaron Aflalo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other hilarious uh, guys. Nicholas who, Batum, who's still like just Avery Bradley, bleeding money from the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs>
0: Hey, he's their best player. You shut your mouth when you talk about the Charlotte Hornets' well, best Him player. or the
1: third-string point guard they signed.
0: Terry Rozier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we're not going to give Kimba the max, but we'll give third-string point guards a lot of money.
0: Uh, all right, last guy who I have drawn interest from this summer is a little bit of the intern. <laughs> now, I was... Very, very critical of the Darius Bazley pick. That's when Russell Westbrook and Paul George were on this team, and they felt like they were trying to win 60 games and compete for a title. They're not trying to do that anymore, so suddenly Darius Bazley makes a ton more sense. That's that's a completely fair
1: opinion. Yeah,
0: so first off, I will say, I thought he was going to be a little bit, what do they call tweener. I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a tweener where he could play the three or the four. Mm. I think today he is just a power forward. I can't imagine that guy running around screens trying to play defense and chase people. I just yeah. I can't see that. So I think for now, he's just a power forward, which they already have Danny Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and now Darius Baisley. So a little bit of a log jam there. Mm. But he's looked pretty good in a few stretches. He's shown enough promise where I think he belongs on an NBA floor. And I think he's going to play rotation minutes from game one. Yes. I'm not saying it's going to be 20 minutes a game, but I think he's going to play minutes
1: game one. Yeah, I don't know what you. I don't know what you look for in rookies, especially rookies that aren't, you know, day one starter lottery picks. I just,
0: yeah. all I in rookies, all I'm concerned about is does it look like you're getting your ass kicked so much that this is messing with your head? Yeah, like is this ruining you upstairs because you're getting your butt kicked so much? And Darius Basley doesn't seem like that
1: guy. Yeah, it goes into like kind of what I'm about to say is just confidence. Like, does that player have the confidence? Like Terrence Ferguson really surprised me as a rookie because he made a lot of mistakes, but he just kept coming. He just kept coming with intensity and aggression, fighting through just brick wall screens with his with his frame. I'm like, that dude should be dead, right? But he just kept coming, and I'm like, okay, I, I like that. Like, there is something to work with there. Um, I see the same thing with Darius bailey He he just has like the confidence of I'm supposed to be here. Like, I'm good enough. And uh, he doesn't look lost when he has the ball in his hands. He doesn't look lost when he's um, scanning the floor, finding an open man, dribbling around. He's got great post moves. He's got great moves at the elbow. Um, I mean, even last night, he had probably his first bad rookie game. You know, like everybody had a bad night. Uh, Darius certainly was one of them. But he had that one play where... Uh, He looked off of, I believe it was, um, it might have been Dennis Schroeder. He looked off Dennis Schroeder, and it opened up the lane. Deontay Burton cut down the lane. He just kind of threw a side pass right to him. Deontay had an open dunk. I'm like, that... That's confidence. That is the, an understanding of like where the defense is, where your guys are, and that's an invaluable skill. And that's going to pay dividends for the Thunder in the short term as well as the long term. And I think them putting him at the four is going to help that because, like you said, if he's at the three, he's going to make a lot more mistakes and mistakes that could potentially creep up into your head and just kind of shit on your confidence. You know, he's going to make plenty of mistakes at the four, but they're more manageable. I guess if that makes sense. So, um, I, I I love the pick now with this team. Um, I've been I've been hard on the the freaking Darius Baisley train like since summer league. Like he's just surprised the hell out of me. Um, I've written written about it a handful of times. Um, I'm excited to see him grow. Like he has all the assets to all the skill sets uh, to be a. I mean, this might be a hot take. He, he has the. He has just as much of a say to be a foundational piece for the Thunder as I believe Shea Gilgis Alexander does. Sure, <laughs> sure. No, I mean, like I'm, like I'm
0: trying to think. It just depends on what your interpretation of that sentence is. Do I think his mountaintop could be just as high as Shea? Yes. Hmm. I think it's more likely Shea gets to his mountaintop than Darius Baisley, but I think their apex could be in the same stratosphere. Sure. Yeah. Um, I hope that makes sense.
1: I use a lot of weird words in that. Yeah, I use yeah.
0: stratosphere. I use apex. I, I I was broke out my dictionary on that. One.
1: Yeah, I, I, just, I guess I just mean the type of player that when you think of the Oklahoma City Thunder three or four or five years from now, you'll think of could he be Could he be as good as Jeremy Grant? Oh yeah, could he? Be, I think he's better. Like I think could he, be
0: better than like Apex Serge Ibaka. Oh yeah. Okay, so you I mean you're pretty high on him? Yeah. Serge Ibaka there was Serge Ibaka like, and Jeremy. He Grant He was the classic Oklahoma City. Well, you know, he could be an all star. Yeah. Oklahoma City's always had that guy. It's like, oh, you know, he...
1: Steven Adams is that guy.
0: It was Victor Oladipo, the gap year between Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant and Paul George.
1: Mm -hmm. Then it turned into Steven Adams. Yeah, Darius is a much more more natural playmaker than Serge Ibaka is. Oh,
0: he's so much better at passing than I anticipated. Now, Jeremy
1: Grant made huge strides as a player. And he got to a point last year where um, he was about the only player outside of a Paul George 3 that I'm like, he's the only one that needs to be shooting. And he even developed a move where he could pump fake, put the ball on the floor and get to the rim and either get fouled or finish. Like he was that type of player. But he wasn't going to be creating offense for you. He wasn't going to be uh, a complete and utter mismatch on the offensive end of the floor that I think Darius Baisley can be. So I think like, yeah, right now he's not better than those players, but – his ceiling, I feel, is much higher than those two, and that should excite Thunder fans, because you've got him, along with Shea Gilders-Alexander, along with maybe Steven Adams, because he's 25, 26. He's 26. We're the same age. Our birthdays are 13 days apart. I'm three years older than him. That is so odd. (laughs) But you've got those pieces, and then if you add that with some good draft picks here and there, if you hit on one or two of them, you've got a really good team, and then you can start all over again, and Darius Baisley can be a big part of that. For sure. He absolutely can, and now you, you're also
0: playing a little bit of the Philadelphia game that they played a few years ago where you have a bunch of guys like Hamid Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, Abdul Nader, you're, Lou Dort. You're just bringing in guys. You're, you're, you're going to take a bunch of swings at a bunch of different players, and you're just hoping to get lucky in a lot of different ways. And so that's how they found a guy like Robert Covington is through that process. Robert mm-hmm. Covington was a guy who was undrafted who they ended up using as a trade ship to get Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying Thunder are going to trade for Jimmy Butler, but I'm saying so now you have a little bit of a revolving door at the end of your bench, and you're just trying to find players. Now, obviously, they're in a little bit of a stalling process right now at the roster because they still have a few guys who are pretty good who are going to be soaking up a lot of minutes, but that's coming. We're going to start having the, the, the seasons that Philadelphia had where one year they had 34 players who at one point had played for the Sixers. Maybe it's thirty five. It was just in. A, in a, they, they were just yeah. rotating people and in like and twenty eight of them were
1: centers, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean that's just coming. And so uh, Thunder fans need to get prepared for that process too. Which I found that process fun in Philadelphia. I find it hilarious. Um, all right,
1: who's that Thunder player?
0: Who's that? It's like that. Who's that Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's that Thunder player? Um, that is
1: clearly Pikachu. <laughs> It's Jake Eldridge Alexander. It's Star You. It's a it's a god. It's a star. It's a star. That was the <laughs> worst game ever. It was so <laughs> apparent. Every so often, though, they
0: throw you a curveball where you actually couldn't tell.
1: Yeah. Um. What was the? Um, I can't even remember. Like the dinosaur I'm, looking. I'm great one. with Pokemon. So the, the dinosaur looking Charmander? one. Charmander? Not Charmander. Not Charizard. Not, Charmeleon? Not not those. Not Aerodactyl. Wow. The um, it was like the extinct, the fossil one. Oh, Kabuto. Kabuto, yeah, yeah, because like Kabutops, his evolved Kabuto- ball form. The um, silhouette of that Pokemon is like what? Like it's just a it's just a it's just a shape. It's just a circle. <laughs> I'm just
0: supposed to guess what the circle is? I don't know. I have no idea what the circle. is. I don't is. know if
1: it's Voltorb or Electro. Like I don't know. I used to be really. I, I used to love Pokemon when I was twelve, for sure.
0: All right, uh, now let's go to my uh, favorite thing. I've the my favorite question so far uh, here at the OKCA2 podcast in the off season. This is from our good friend Josh Ellerby, who uh, if, I don't know if anyone needs to absorb more Thank you, Josh. More Thunder content, <laughs> but uh, if you do, Josh Ellerby's a great guy to follow on Twitter. He has a podcast and writes articles. He does a good job. Uh, but he posed the question of who's the most overrated NBA player by Twitter.com. I don't know what your thoughts are, what your answer is. There was a few just reading through Josh's replies yeah. that shocked me. I didn't, look, I didn't read any of the replies. Uh, the number one sh- most shocking answer that not just one person put, not just like the person who puts a Kobe Bryant, not just that person, but a handful of times
1: LeBron's political beliefs. Donovan Mitchell. I get it, but I think it's unfair at this point.
0: D- do you think he's overrated?
1: Um, I feel it, He I, wasn't an all-star He wasn't an all-star I feel like he was Anointed for beating A sad sack Oklahoma City Thunder team but In the playoffs Doesn't he kind of Deserve credit for that he, he deserves a lot of Credit for it And then the second year He beat three Hall of Famers By himself The second year The Jazz got so screwed With the scheduling They, they were behind the eight ball Like what Two months into the season Oh they're
0: the same way. Have you looked at their Schedule this year
1: is it the reverse it's it-
0: comical no it's the same thing,
1: oh God, well, they're much better prepared for it
0: they're going to end up twelve games thirteen games under five hundred Christmas if
1: they're healthy they're much better prepared for it because not only do you have Donovan Mitchell going into his third year with more experience yeah, and Mike a, Conley, a and better it. understanding of like when to turn it on when to not turn it on because that's going to be the big thing for him is uh don't turn into Russell Westbrook like don't don't <laughs> turn into that type of guy that feels right. like you have to do every single thing because right. you'll just tie yourself out and it's easier to defend. Um, but he's got a better team around him he's got more options offensively that he can he's got Joe himself. Ingles man
0: <laughs> come on now
1: um I'll sh- shout out to my good friend Justin Wright uh formerly known as Thunder Tie he used to always call him Colombian dr- drug lord Joe Ingles or, or Joe Ingles why is I, he from Colombia no he's from Australia that's what i thought <laughs> but it, i it just i don't know why cuz he, he looks like that yeah he, he called him that like a few times i'm just like it just stuck in my head so every time i see Joe Ingles i'm just like yeah <laughs> Columbia <Sure>. drug
0: lord, <laughs> Columbia drug lord Joe Ingles. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was probably the most popular answer.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's. I've got. I've got my own opinion, but I could agree with that. I, I wouldn't say that that's foolish.
0: I think that's somewhere between he's overhyped because he's on the Lakers and there's a ton of Lakers fans, and he's undervalued because everyone hates the Lakers, and he's on the Lakers. Well,
1: Look at the numbers, man. He just sky falls after the All Star break. Every, like well, every, just... So does Stephen Adams. Mm, yeah, but Steven actually does stuff in the postseason.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, other popular answers on here, uh, D'Angelo Russell.
1: That's unfair.
0: I thought so, too. Yeah,
1: that's that's unfair.
0: Karis LeVert got hurt, and that guy basically carried them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think he deserved the little coronation that he got last year.
1: What did they do in the playoffs? What were your expectations for them doing in the playoffs against the the, the, the Sixers? Like, seriously. Right. Like, don't don't sit there and took him sit, to six games don't sit there and say like Philly is going to cakewalk this series then it happens and then you turn around and say DeAndre Russell couldn't do anything in the playoffs well no of course not because you believe that Philly was supposed to cakewalk them what was he supposed to do come on now uh, some, ju- adjust your expectations some guy named Anthony Nash on
0: Josh Ellaby's replies said it's a three way tie between Kawhi Leonard Donovan Mitchell and Luka Doncic can you imagine typing that out and being serious <laughs>
1: Man, like that's the other big takeaway. Luca and Chris Daps are going to be fun. Dude, they're going to be fun. That was that was a good sight to see, especially after Hami like put the clamps on him in the first six minutes. Luca was like, "Enough of this shit."
0: (laughs) Uh, All right, let's see. Devin Booker was another popular answer.
1: Um, Also unfair, but um, if you put him on a better team, I hope he gets becomes a better defender.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I don't think that's when
1: it's fair to rate him.
0: I think right now if you have any of a if you have any true opinion on Devin Booker, I think you're just doing it wrong. Because we haven't seen him in a winning situation. So, I'm not saying he's trash. But I'm not saying he's the centerpiece of a championship team either. We haven't seen him in a. It's, we haven't seen him actually win games yet.
1: Uh, I'll invoke Bill Simmons. It's not even fair to call him a bad stats or good stats bad team guy because that's all he's he's been on just a bad team. We don't we have no idea what he'd be like on a team with competent leadership, competent um, assets around him. We have no idea.
0: Now I do. I do feel like he's not a number one guy, and no. uh, those guys are few and far between. So that's not me like bashing on Devin Booker. I don't think he's a, he's a clear number one guy. Like how in the dare NBA. you
1: be Clay Thompson? How dare you be a number two? Yeah,
0: sure. And so I mean that that's kind of overall my point. All right, a few of the responses that we got: Ben Simmons.
1: I can see, I can see that he's supposed to be the next LeBron James, and he clearly can't shoot. Well, how
0: many of the next LeBron Jameses have we had? I mean, Remember, when Michael Beasley was supposed to be the next LeBron James.
1: Was he? Yeah. Like in terms of just being like a freshman phenom or a rookie phenom? Yeah, because he's
0: a forward and.
1: Uh, okay. Aggressive going to the rim. I mean, didn't I, really have a jump shot. I, to this day, I'm still shocked that Michael Beasley, like from what we saw, like being Big Twelve fans, from what we saw of him at Kansas State, and then what he became in the NBA, like just. Well, it's because uh, he started painting his nails. Yeah, man,
0: is, You've seen that that interview he does on a New York TV station where he has like all the watches on his wrist and washers on his ankles, and he's talking about space and alternate reality. You've seen this, yes?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then he, Oklahoma City. What, he had the wrong he had the shorts on backwards or he had the wrong pants on.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't think did, the wrong pants on or did he not have it on any pants? I think he was just wearing his sweats and he just had his tights underneath. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's my hero. No attention to detail. He's my
0: absolute hero. Uh Stephen Dolan, who's a Steve Thunder fan, does a great job with the uh sorry, excuse me. The the Tropic Thunder podcast. Top, um, topic thunder topic thunder podcast See, we're
1: both saying wrong shit happens. there you
0: go. it's how it happens. he says if they have a player in their at their twitter handle it's that player
1: oh so tom brady's overrated according to me t brady goat <laughs> <laughs> um man there's a lot of russell westbrook is overrated then like in the thunder fan base twitter sphere right? yeah
0: russell westbrook uh there's a new Orleans noel account does that mean neural? Brian's yeah. yeah. Does that mean he's also, overrated?
1: also of Topic Thunder.
0: Uh all right. And then Kevin Von Holton says, uh one comment said Brad Stevens, and I can't get over how true that feels.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've been I've been saying this like me, uh Jerry, Ramsey, and John Hamm on the uh, franchise Thunder Insider show that we do on Saturdays during the season. I think it's like our it's like our running joke. Like Brad Stevens, what the hell is he he is the Jim Harbaugh of the NBA. He hasn't done anything, he hasn't won anything. He's gotten the Celtics there, cool. They've had talent there in the Eastern Conference, and then they run in LeBron. They can't do anything about it. And then last year was a complete nutter debacle that, yeah, like Kyrie Irving really torpedoed that team. But you would think with what we've been told about Brad Stevens that he would supersede a lot of that, and he didn't. So that was just an indictment on him and his coaching ability. But I still think he's an incredibly smart guy. I think he's one of the probably, like, if you're going to rank coaches, he's in the top 15 for sure. Like, the. We have no idea where Billy Donovan is. Like Billy is probably at 15 for all we know, because we don't know. Like we're going to get a chance to see what type of co- um, coach he is this year. But um, yeah, like eh, eh, Brad Stevens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> eh.
1: Um.
0: All right. So now I have a. Unpre- I want. I want yours. So that's what I was going to say. I, w- I need your answer to the question: Was the most overrated player in the NBA right now by Twitter.com?
1: See, like, mine's going to be annoying to some people, but it's not going to be super sexy because it's not like a LeBron or an Anthony Davis.
0: It's clearly Kawhi Leonard.
1: J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is the most overrated player? I think he's overrated. Who's rated him anything? Everybody. Ever since he's been with the Clippers, he's like the, he's like the Danny Green. Like, that's like a guy you need as a championship piece. Like, he's the championship piece to put you over the top. Yeah. And every time he played the Thunder, he sucked. Every time I paid attention to him in any playoff series, he does not hit shots that he hits in the in the regular season. Um, what that he had that moment two was it two seasons ago where he could have potentially beat the Celtics in uh, Game Six in Philadelphia, wide open three pointer on the elbow, and he frickin' bricked it. Like that's his legacy. He's just he's like Peyton Manning before he won those Super Bowls. Yeah, except
0: for JJ won some just, national
1: titles in college. Just balls out during the regular season and people love him because he's smart and um he has podcasts with the ringer so like everyone like has this this is not what i was prepared for but i like where you're at everybody has this high opinion of him and like all those opinions are true like he's a fantastic player and he's a um, fantastic personality he's incredibly smart and all that but um i feel like he gets vastly overrated because of that good nature and like he he's just a guy that i never count on in the postseason i think he's in a really good spot with new orleans because new orleans they might make the playoffs, but I don't expect much from them in the playoffs because they, they have a bunch of kids on their team and Drew Holiday. But J.J. Redick is not going to be hitting, like, just back-breaking threes in a playoff series to advance the Pelicans to the second round. I just don't see it because I haven't seen it his entire career. Like, Thunder Fa- Thunder fans were drooling at the mouth at the prospect of getting him at some point over the last few years, and I'm just like, um, eh, yeah, I mean, it improved the team, yeah, but uh, nah.
0: I was not ready for this.
1: Like, Did you want me to say Anthony Davis?
0: Is it because he's white? Can we just be honest? Is it because JJ's white?
1: I didn't want to bring up the race card at all, but that's another reason why I feel like that he gets overrated.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: He's a coach on the floor. He's a try-hard guy. Gym rat, man. <laughs> he's a real <laughs> gym rat. Just blue collar and gritty. Uh, John Wall is my
0: answer. I'm just kidding. No one <laughs> rates John Wall. <laughs> Who's John Wall? Who's John Wall? <laughs> um, I man, I really wrestled with this because you don't want to say some like some role player, like some guy getting like 12 minutes off the bench, like that guy shouldn't even be in the league. You don't want to be one, of, you know, because I'm sure there's some guy out there. I tried to find someone in my top 20 who I thought people are really overhyping right now. So I tried to find someone in a good situation that's. Maybe inflating what their perception is, where in reality, there's some real limitations on their game. So I'm going to apologize. I'm very, very sorry. (laughs) But after doing this exercise for about 20 minutes, this is the answer I came to. I think it's Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is a great player. He improved so much when he got to Indiana. Uh, He's a two way guy, he can shoot, he's found that he can shoot off the dribble and create some offense. But it's just that he can create some offense. He can carry a team to 50 wins in the East, and they can be the fourth seed, and they'll be out in the first round every year. Like There's a clear ceiling on a Victor Oladipo-led NBA team.
1: Yeah, he's just like a poor man's Russell because he plays essentially the same type of basketball, but he's probably a little bit more efficient probably a better shooter most of the time. Victor still has his inconsistencies from beyond the arc. Yeah, but when he got
0: hurt last year, people made it sound like Joel Embiid was out for the year for the Sixers. Yeah, like it was like, a league shifting. Like all of a sudden, the balance there. of power in the East really. Was like, was anybody picking Indiana to do anything?
1: Yeah, like, Indiana's got a good team. They've got they've got good pieces to where that they could get hot and then maybe make an Eastern Conference Finals run. But I just they're not a team. Oh, I don't really,
0: even think I don't. I
1: can't imagine that happening. Mainly just because the East is. I mean, you got Milwaukee. Like, this here's my hot take. I'm not sold that Milwaukee is going to be like a shoe-in back into the Eastern Conference sure. Finals. There's going to be some serious regression. I have, yeah, the regression. Um, Philly is, like, I think, the clear-cut favorite, but th- then again, they have their But own. they're also
0: playing huge, and no one's played huge in years, and yeah. we have no idea how that's going to They're playing work.
1: a different brand, and they have no bench. So, like, the fatigue factor. When you talk about the fatigue factor on a team with Joel friggin' Embiid, I mean, there's a lot of risk in that. Right. But, um, no, I, I think mainly... I, They've got Indiana's got a good team, but I just feel like if I say like yeah they can get hot and make the Eastern Conference Finals, that's not necessarily like a huge compliment towards them. It's just more of a statement of how I view the Eastern Conference as a whole. Because outside of three teams, like really what it takes is if the East is going to be better than I think, that's going to be because Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero <laughs> and the rest of the Miami Heat figure it out and they just win a bunch of games. But sure, I, I've I've seen the Heat play a lot and you know, I just. I'll, I'll wait and see on that one although Tyler here looked good yesterday
0: he had 14 of the first 14 points is that yep. right I'm, yep. sure, I'm sure you're very excited I'm happy for you Blanc- glad it's all working out Blanca Flama all right did not prep you for this at all I don't know if I can hear my washing machine going off oh, in the that's background. a
1: lovely little jingle
0: it's very loud which is great because I can hear it anywhere in the house mm. uh, but also bad because it might show up on this podcast um, <laughs> that means it's time for <laughs> <laughs> who's the most overrated player in the Thunder
1: Oh, overrated player on the Thunder.
0: Didn't prep you for this. So obviously you're having to work through it mentally. Mm.
1: Oh, man. Steven Adams. Oh,
0: you stole my answer.
1: Well, you like, sorry, SOB. I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> no, um, Steven Adams, just because I think he, he hit a three, and now people are going to expect that with Simi. How many does he shoot this year? 30.
0: I was going like to say 40. 30 like, or 40. Like, like one every other game. Have
1: you guys done the over under in the all in podcast yet? For Steven We Adams did. Threes? We did
0: it right after the jump. And I said, this was the day after he had hit it. So I knew my buddies, Chase and Dewey, who were on the all in podcast, <laughs> were going to be hyped. They're going to be pumped about it. So I put the number at 41, which is one every other game. And they're both, oh, under.
1: Like, they, they neither one of them bought
0: in. Like, they both pretty realistic about it. So I was happy for them.
1: Well,. I, I will say Billy has said multiple times he he wants Stephen taking those shots. Like it really seems like Billy is encouraging him to like no we need you like we want you to stretch the floor. And if Billy is telling Stephen to do that, then Stephen will let it fly. Because then I asked Stephen about it after the game that night, and he told me like yeah when when we run situations like that, then I will shoot them. So there could be games where he just shoots 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 shoots, and then two weeks of nothing just depends on what the lineups are just depends on what the idea for the team is so yeah uh
0: dang it, I was really thought I was going to be thought I was going to be alone on the Steven Adams train and I was going to be able to make the whole thing the other thing I don't and I know no one likes to talk about this cuz it's kind of like picking on a guy you know people love Steven here he ha- this year it, it, sorry no more excuses we can not get to the all-star break and then he just falls off a cliff we, yeah, we can't I mean, do that anymore.
1: Did you read about um did you read the O'Connell uh, Eric Horn wrote this about what they're doing defensively differently with uh, the bigs? No. I mean, um I mean, to like, Eric Horn. Yeah, like Eric's been asking about it. He's talked to Steven Nerlands and Billy Donovan about it. So I I knew it was coming, but um he, he really laid it out in a really easy to digest way. Um basically, um last year the Thunder in the last few years, they've been really aggressive with their pick and roll coverage. No matter who it was at the top of the key with the ball in their hands, they'd always have Steven just go up there and blitz him. Because Steven is, when he's healthy, he's got enough athleticism and lateral movement that he can keep it. You can be confident that it's not that much of a mismatch. Right. Like it is with some bigs. Um, they're not doing that again this year. They're just telling them just drop back. Drop so they're playing drop coverage
0: like yeah. 80% of the teams in the league? Pretty much.
1: Um, and I think that that's more of a more of an onus to try and elongate Steven Adams' effectiveness throughout the season. I just, they don't want to run him into the ground and I think that that's probably the best case um, moving forward because, yeah, two years in a row of you get to the cliff, break, man. Yeah. Like, to the point where I, I truly thought he
0: plateaued. I, tr- I truly thought he was injured. It got so bad last year that I was like, he has to be hurt and not saying something. Now, obviously, nothing ever came out. He very easily could have been hurt. Uh, I would also like to see Steven Adams' minutes go from the 36, 37 range down to like 31, 32. Mm-hmm. Can we... Can we I mean, Nerlens Noel, upper echelon backup center, I would say, in the league. He's one of the better ones. So I feel like you should probably get him a few extra minutes a game and save Steven for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, opposite question. Most underrated player on the Thunder right now?
1: Um, Hamadou Diallo.
0: Okay, I like that answer.
1: Because, well, I mean, what I'm going to say like, can apply to Darius Baisley, but because he's a rookie... People like people always look at rookies with like such excitement because like we've never seen him play. We don't know what he can bring. And then anytime he does something cool, it gets overinflated. We've seen Hamadou Diallo, and he fell off a cliff, too, in his own right. Some of that was due to that freakishly minor injury that he had in Golden State, and then defenses scouting him and taking away the few things that he's actually good at. So I think people just kind of have an idea of what he is. And they're going to. They've been sleeping on his ability to drive the basketball, to dribble the basketball, to make plays for others, um, make plays in chaos situations like when defenses are like the teams are switching sides. Um, he's athletic enough. He did that and on in Tulsa, on that steal and dunk. Um, he still has a little bit of a hitch in his shot, but I've seen improvement there. He did airball ball free throw last night. That was pretty surprising, um, but I feel like he. When you talk about all the young assets on the Thunder, I think people still kind of forget that diallo Diallo's on this team because there's a lot more potential with Shea and Darius. Um, I feel like people are sleeping on Hami. Okay, I like Hamadou Diallo. He's exciting. I said at the I said this. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. Like he he understands when he f's up. He owns it up when we ask him about it, and I see like him apply those like corrections to that mistake in the next game i see that on the floor
0: sure i, I have a, i've already been on record that my favorite game of this oklahoma city thunder season is going to be games 72 through 82 where i think there's a chance that the starting lineup might be Shea Gilders alexander Hamid diallo terrence ferguson Darius basley like, that one through four. Justin
1: Patton. And Justin Patton.
0: <laughs> like, that would be comical. And I would love every single second of it, because those guys are all young and aggressive and, you know, super athletic. There's going to be lineups see what that looks like, like, like
1: that maybe even earlier than that. Well, see, as
0: far as the starting lineup and coming out into a game. Okay, yeah. yeah the first five minutes, we're just going to be young and dumb, and we're going to see if we can just run you out of the gym. And Like, I'm all on. I'm all on board. I love it. I'm excited about that. So, uh, I I actually do like uh, Dial a lot. Obviously, though, the correct answer is Mike Muscala who is now the head of the marketing department for the Oklahoma city thunder. Very handsome. Very handsome. Very handsome indeed. Um, all right. Okay. C two so podcast in the, in the books, man, i I think this audio is going to work out. We're not going to lose any, Oh Lose man. any minutes here. I'm pretty confident.
1: Yeah. And I, this is the one that should be lost because I said words wrong. Um, I think I may have said that I've been hard on the Darius Baisley train.
0: <laughs> You're hard on the Darius Baisley train.
1: Yeah. Um, meaning that I've been like full go not like Andre Robertson full go but I've been full go on the Darius Bazley hype train since I've seen him play in person in summer League not um, anything else that could be interpreted from that sentence
0: who's someone you've been on the hype train for that didn't work
1: out um oh what's his name for the Boston Celtics uhshimi S- Ojale he w- I-, I wanted the thunder to draft him like he-, he just he screamed a player that could help them day one because you know it was the same team that
0: he but, played at SMU, right? Am I making that up?
1: Yeah, he was at Duke. Then he went to SMU, balled out. He just he looked like a guy that physically could bring you something positive. Game one, day one, sure. On a team that was a playoff contender, um, and he's had moments, but he's had a lot of bad moments, and it just really hasn't worked out.
0: <laughs> uh, my answer, a little back, a little bit in the wayback machine, all the way back to when LeBron was at Cleveland the first time. Daniel Gibson, the guard from Texas. I was convinced that guy was going to re- find a spot in the I remember, game.
1: I remember thinking, like, wow, Cleveland got a really good piece.
0: Yeah, I like was so confident that he was going to work out. And then LeBron he had, went to Miami. <laughs> he, maybe it was against Boston in the Eastern Conference. Fin- he had one game, though, in the playoffs in a big spot where he dropped... 25 30 points and i was like no this guy's here i'm right everyone else is wrong
1: didn't he go like a playoff game like he went seven to seven or eight that's eight, what it was yeah
0: yeah he was just unconscious for boom, a game boom 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 and boom, i was like yeah. daniel gibson i was right all along all you guys are idiots <laughs> fools you fools for passing on <laughs> daniel gibson all right man well uh, i guess are we gonna start trying to do this once a week
1: oh hell yeah okay perfect. um preseason's going to end tomorrow i believe right they play in memphis they play on yeah, or, sorry, tomorrow. I okay. almost
0: said Wednesday, which is tomorrow. So, okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so, yep, the season is here. The
0: season is underway. So All, uh,
1: all your hot takes will be heard here on the Chisholm Holland OKC82 podcast. I do not,
0: we're not naming it that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Brady, I appreciate you hanging out with me. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Brady the Sports at Chisholm Holland. Until next week, see you guys later. Listen to Chisholm Holland weekdays from 6 to 8 p.m. on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise in Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Chisholm Holland. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.